up? Podcast Rebellion. We're back at it again here in the Davis McCord State Farm studio. I'm your host, Zach Berry. Joining me here momentarily is Juco All-American. Before we get into the show, I do want to remind you that we are here, as I said, in the Davis McCord State Farm studios. If you're looking for good neighbor service and surprisingly great insurance rates, Look no further than Davis McCord and State Farm. They are your one-stop shop in Tennessee and Mississippi for the service you deserve at the price you want. So quit looking around. We got you covered. State Farm and Mr. Davis McCord are ready to help. Call him at 901-755-6110 for your surprisingly great rates today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Juco, good afternoon. Hey, afternoon. Lovely afternoon. We are uh, Friday, a uh, couple couple days tardy. It's been a uh, busy week, but uh, nevertheless, we might be uh, pretty timely here. Um, just, uh, I guess, looking at the weather right now, um, there is some rain in the forecast in Starkville, Mississippi for the uh, big weekend series down there, Super Bulldog weekend, top 10 matchup between Ole Miss and Mississippi State, the number six Rebels heading in to take on the number three Mississippi State Bulldogs. But before we get into the weekend preview of baseball, we do want to touch on uh, Coach Yo. She's back at it again. She is back at it again, yeah. had a, had a a Has had a pretty great offseason. Um, I guess for for listeners who may not be aware, uh, the, the Ladies Rebels uh, lost the WNIT final or the WNIT championship game to rice this year uh which i mean making the nit is of course not like a huge deal but considering that a year ago they went winless in the sec it was definitely a big a big jump uh mm-hmm. and it's a good rice team tenth, yeah yeah had a six foot nine uh play center who was just a, a nightmare to deal with um but yeah i mean this season of course was was an encouraging one relative to recent years and uh they had the 10th youngest team in the country, uh, but they, I guess they, they lost one senior, I think, Val Nesbitt. Uh, I guess it's not necessarily decided. She hasn't announced whether she's coming back with the COVID rules or whatever, but it mm-hmm. doesn't seem very likely. Uh, but then they added three transfers and signed a, a high school player. Uh, mm-hmm. And so all, all uh, tremendous names, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Destiny Salary is, of course, the coolest name. <laughs> uh, she was a freshman at Tennessee. She was actually like a top 60 player out of high school. Uh, played spare, uh, somewhat her, her freshman year, but didn't really do a ton, but was looking to, to move somewhere. The, the I guess the description about her is that she has like tons of potential, but is a little bit raw. So always interested to take a player like that. And then yeah. um, so, uh, Angel Baker. Yeah, go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I, I can run some bona fides for you. I got it pulled up here. So Destiny um, from Jonesboro, Arkansas, played at Tennessee, obviously played in 24 games as a freshman. Um, she averaged 21-7-4 and four in high school. Um, USA Today, Arkansas second team. Uh, she was uh, All-State three times in high school. Like you said, number 57 overall player. Um, six foot. So, um, for those that are, uh, you know, unfamiliar or unaware of, of, you know, what kind of 
constitutes, you know, quote, size in, in the women's game. Six foot is uh, certainly um, good size there. Um, quick little quote here from Coach Yo about Destiny. Um, she said, quote, I'm excited about Destiny joining our family. She's charismatic, competitive, and a gym rat. She knows the SEC and has tournament experience. She will play on and off the ball, making an immediate impact. Our fans will love her. Um, and like we said, Destiny Salary is a tremendous name. Um, I'll run through the other ones if you uh, if you don't mind. I'll, I got it, I got it pulled up sure. here, so I can kind of run through. So another great name, Angel Baker, um, originally yeah. from Indianapolis, transferred from Wright State, five eight guard, uh, two time first team All Horizon. She was the 2020-2021 Horizon League Tournament MVP. Uh, she helped lead Wright State to their third Horizon League title and a trip to the round of 32 in the tournament this year. Uh, she played in uh, 56 games and uh, played in 90 her first three years at Wright State. Uh, career stats there, 14.3 points per game, 3.7 rebounds, three assists. Shot 41% from the field, 37% from three. Uh, over 1,200 career points there as well. So that's a... Uh, Huge get. Um, another experienced guard that I think is going to come in and factor in immediately. Yeah. Uh, you know, Angel Baker tore up Arkansas in the tournament uh, and, mm-hmm. and got the upset. I think she scored 26 points that game, 12 rebounds despite being like 5'9". Uh, and, you know, she's a two-time all-conference player. And now that conference is the Horizon League, but like, that's uh that's a lot of good experience and also she has two years of eligibility so mm-hmm. that's that's going to be a nice thing yeah uh yeah destiny salary like i said you know lots of potential that's that's pretty great mm-hmm. another uh addition another fantastic name lashonda monk from greensboro north carolina transfer from ecu um initially declared for the WNBA draft before signing with Ole Miss. So she decided to come back to to school. Uh, She will be a graduate student. So just one year, Uh, first player in AAC history to win defensive player of the year in consecutive seasons. So that's uh, huge for this team. Coach Yo, as, as we've come to know, very big on defense, very big on being competitive and very active on that end of the floor. Four time, all AAC honoree. She's um, the pirates all time leader in steals and uh, she averaged 12 points a game during her career there and is 11th all-time on their points list. So, again, we're, 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 we're seeing a theme here. Experience, defensive-minded, and, um, and yeah, just more and more accolades being added to the uh, roster. Yeah, she's a, definitely an interesting player. Uh, her efficiency was not super great at East Carolina in terms of shooting, uh, but like it like you said she's a she's a defensive point guard um and she was still their leading scorer but their team wasn't all that good and they kind of asked her to do Mm -hmm. some things that were outside of her comfort zone but you know when you put that player on a team that doesn't need her to be a you know primary scorer or even secondary scorer uh it it opens up some opportunities right like maybe her efficiency Mm -hmm. actually improves when she's taking what the defense gives her instead of like having to throw up something when nobody else can shoot yeah uh and then lastly the um the high school signee that has been added uh jaya harris smith out of norland high school um out of miami really good um high school in terms of just overall athletic programs there norland puts out a ton of uh, college prospects year in, year out. Um, 
four-year varsity letter winner there, team captain, four-time All-Dade um, selection, three-time team MVP. She was a McDonald's All-American nominee her senior season, and um, she led them to the GMAC title game. Um, Five-six guard, uh, I think um, she, you know, she's going to be a true freshman, but she's very talented. Coach O uh, mentioned her as being a true competitor and uh, thinks that she'll have a great career at Ole Miss. So, again, just a another – um, high caliber athlete. Um, I think, uh, as you can see, uh, you know, coach Yo is, is really close with Don Staley, uh, the head coach at South Carolina that has done tremendous things there. Won a national title, they kind of have a little bit of a similar style, very defensive minded, but they typically have, um, quick, uh, small guards and, you know, Jaya kind of fits that mold at five, six, uh, can really do a lot of things offensively, um, can run the floor. So, uh, yeah, so four big-time additions to the roster. And, and look, we haven't – you know, we kind of buried the lead here. Um, Ole Miss is going to bring back, I believe, looking at the write-up here, I think they're returning nine players who saw action this year. Um, obviously – Headlined by the honorable mention All-American Shakira Austin, SEC Freshman of the Year Madison Scott, and then SEC All-Freshman honoree Snutta Collins. So, look, I you know, women's basketball doesn't get a lot of a uh, lot of publicity, um, but I mean, look, I, I think it's time people start paying attention to what Coach Yo and that staff is doing there because I think they're they're kind of on that precipice of hitting to the that next tier. We talked about it, um, you know, kind of the trajectory that Arizona had. Um, after getting to the NIT, I believe they got to the championship. And then, um, you know, a couple of years removed from that, they're uh, making a run in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, they, they won the last WNIT. Uh, that was not last season because there was no postseason play last year. But uh, mm-hmm. but they won the 2019 WNIT. And then two years later, they're, they lose the championship game. Yeah. So, you know, maybe we could follow that trajectory. <laughs> yeah, I'm hey, not that'd sure, be great. but yeah, sure, <laughs> exactly. Um I think that what what we really need to see next year. So, first of all, I would say that the there were two transfers out of the program. Uh that was a Jan Le Kitchens and uh Taylor Smith. Um and they both so Taylor Smith actually started last year as a starter. Uh, but quickly kind of fell out of favor, I guess. Uh, towards the end of the season, she wasn't really even playing all that frequently. Uh, and then Ayanla Kitchens was the was expected to be the third string center, but then uh, Andesia Puckett tore her ACL in the preseason, and so mm-hmm. Ayanla Kitchens was the backup center, and she was fine. Um, there are definitely some good things that she can do, uh, but neither of those losses is like a, a starter or even maybe one of the top nine to 10 players on the team. Yeah. And we're probably, you know, transferring so they could get some better opportunities and all that and more power to them. Um, but two of the expected transfers are like immediate step in start types of players. And so then you take a, a team that was, you know, pretty good, uh, that didn't lose any starters. And then you add, two players who were good enough to replace two of those starters. And then, you know, we're talking about a a pretty promising team. Yeah. And, you know, it it seems like forever ago when the season started and, um, uh, you know, we we have to remind the listeners here that this was a team that look, they, 
you talked about how they, you know, a year removed from not winning a conference game. Um, this year they turn around and go 15 and 12 and make it to the WNIT title game. Um, this was a team that still battled injuries. They battled COVID. Um, there were some stretches where they were, you know, without some of their starters. Um, I know Madison Scott missed some time. Um, I believe Shakira Austin missed a couple games. I mean, you know, they had starters kind of out here and there um, sporadically throughout the season with, with, you know, COVID protocol, um, contact tracing, all that. But, you know, I think for 2021, 2022, I think it's going to be a fun season to, you know, stay in the loop with, with what they're doing, because I think there's a ton of potential to really take that next step. And, and with, uh, you know, the vaccine being more readily available and, and, you know, fingers crossed things are more back to, uh, to normal when the season kicks off later this year. Um, it'll be, it'll, it'll be a normal one and there won't be any, um, you know, having to stay in a bubble or having to worry about, you know, well, contact tracing, they got to be out for two weeks, or whatever. So I, I think, uh, yeah, you, yeah. You know. I think that, uh, you know, seeing a normal season will be interesting. This this team was kind of snake bitten because they uh, yeah, go ahead. Mi- they, they missed a lot of the early season with COVID injuries, like you mentioned, or COVID, I guess, contact tracing, like you mentioned. I mean, they had to cancel a lot of the out of conference games. I mean, we're talking at least four or five games mm-hmm. that were canceled. Uh, and for the 10th youngest mm-hmm. team in the country, that's pretty disastrous. So they didn't really have a chance to find themselves right. until late when they won two games against top 25 teams late in the year. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, you know, rightly so. A lot of excitement for next season. Um, we're going to take our break here. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk about the top 10 matchup in Starkville. Ole Miss taking on Mississippi State in baseball. So hang tight. We will be right back. It's Zach again, Podcast Rebellion, to remind you of our lovely sponsors here at the show. If you like New Orleans-inspired cuisine, go see Kelly English and the good folks in Memphis at Second Line or Restaurant Iris for some fantastic food and cocktails. You can also travel down to the coast to Magnolia House in Biloxi at Harris Gulf Coast. Blackjack, craps, slots, southern cooking, cocktails, what's not to like? All three fantastic establishments, part of the Kelly English Restaurant Group. Good food, good people, good cocktails. It can't be beat. That's Second Line, Restaurant Hours in Memphis, and Magnolia House in Biloxi. Speaking of good food, if you're in Oxford, go see Greg and the good folks at LB's Meat Market, the inaugural sponsor of this year's podcast, on University Avenue, across from Kroger. Celebrate with the best protein for your almost grilling needs with Greg and the rest of the folks there. And be sure to tell them that Red Cup sent you for exclusive deals and promotions. Remember, the Philly combo is back for just $10 right now. And you've got your lunch specials, 11 to 3.30, Monday through Friday. That's LB's Meat Market on University, across from Kroger. Arby's is full of shit. LB's has the meats. Speaking of Oxford... If you're looking to get some libations going, be sure to check out Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery. It's a quick little eight-minute drive south of Oxford on Old Taylor Road, and it's the only spot in the Magnolia State for a true grain-to-glass gin experience. 
The space is fantastic. Chan and the rest of the guys there are doing some fantastic stuff. Uh, go there, get a tour, do a tasting, or you could do both. Inquire about maybe renting it out for a private event, maybe a anniversary, a wedding reception, a rehearsal dinner, something. The place is amazing. That's Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery in Taylor, Mississippi. And be sure to follow them on Instagram for all their latest updates and uh, comings and goings there at Wonderbird. Speaking of libations, if you're in Memphis and you're looking to stock the cooler this year, Old Dominic on South Front Street is your place to go. Just like Wonderbird, you can go there for a tasting, for a tour, or both. And be sure to check out the rooftop bar, which is super awesome, has some great views of downtown Memphis, of the Mississippi River. Uh, you can try their Healing Station High Rye Bourbon, the Memphis Toddy, the Memphis Vodka, or the new Honey Bell Vodka. You can get it all there or at your local package store. So celebrate with that Healing Station bourbon, a very small batch high rye bourbon by the folks at Old Dominic. It's a bold classic whiskey with notes of stone fruit, dark cherry, just the right amount of spice and heritage that dates back to 1866. You can enjoy it neat or even in your favorite cocktail like an old-fashioned. It's got a mash bill of 52% corn, 44% rye, and 4% malt. Healing Station stands alone in its category of high rye bourbons. So you could do that, or you can enjoy a quick taste of Memphis Toddy before the game this weekend, and then you can wind down with that Healing Station afterwards. So, like we always say, ask your, pa- ask, ask your package store where you can find Healing Station by Old Dominic. And, as always, OD encourages you to share sip responsibly. And last but certainly not least, if you're in the market for a new vehicle, make it a Clark Ford vehicle. Corey Clark and the rest of the folks in Amory, Mississippi on Highway 25 are committed to finding you a new vehicle today. Be sure to browse their inventory online, request more information about the vehicles, set up a test drive, and inquire about financing all online. If you want to do it a little old school, maybe uh, conversate via telephone, you can give them a call at 662-257-1900 and get in a new Ford today. And we are back here on Podcast Rebellion. Zach Berry here with Juco All-American. All right, Juco, we're... First of all, we're gonna we're gonna kind of talk everyone away from the proverbial ledge. Um, Ole Miss, after starting out six and zero in the SEC, has lost back to back series, um, losing two of three to Florida and two of three to Arkansas in a humongous top five matchup in Oxford last weekend. All is not lost. Um, everything is okay. Everyone can kind of take a breath. Uh, Ole Miss and State both enter this weekend series sitting eight and four, tied for second in the West. Ole Miss twenty five and eight overall. Mississippi State twenty five and seven. Uh, game starts tonight uh, as scheduled. I mentioned earlier in the show there is some rain in the forecast, so we might have another doubleheader situation on Saturday. But tonight, still scheduled six p.m. Central Time on SEC Network. Gunnar Hoagland going against Christian McLeod, um, but. Again, bearing the lead a little bit, injuries are starting to pile up for uh, for Ole Miss. Tim Elko is already um, going to miss some uh, some time. I don't think they've and I don't think they've rolled him out for the year yet. I, I think that's being uh, 
pretty optimistic. I, I would say that he probably needs to be out for the year with uh, the severity of his injury. But Justin Bench had some back issues this week. He uh, saw a couple specialists about that. I think he's going to give it a go. But nevertheless, huge, huge series this weekend in Starkville. Uh, what, what are your kind of initial thoughts uh, heading into this weekend? Well, I think it's interesting. Uh, I, I think that based on reactions to last last week's series that uh, you might imagine that we are a terrible baseball team. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, we, we lost a close series against the number three team in the country. Uh, of course, of course, it was at home. And so you got that. And you know, we as Ole Miss fans are accustomed to being good, but not being able to kind of get over the hump. And I get that. But uh, I think that my my feelings haven't really changed, right? Like losing Tim Elko is, is, is potentially disastrous. Losing Justin Bench would be a big, a big blow. And then, you, you know, all the trickle down effects of that and everything, that's, that's problematic. But this team is going to be judged by the postseason. And so, you know, they're, definitely on track to make the postseason they're seemingly on track at the moment to host a regional if not super regional Mm -hmm. and so then you kind of have to see what happens then um i i think that there are some players who have stepped up there are some players who now have a good opportunity to kind of prove themselves like i I know that you think about john rice palmley right i I, john rice palmley is somewhat of a punchline uh, in the like, oh, he should start over Matt Corral thing, and everyone, uh, everyone saw this baseball, his foray into baseball as like a whatever, you know, he'll it'll probably get him to stick around and play slot next year, and then be you know a pretty good slot receiver. But John Rice Pumley is suddenly not awful, right? And so maybe he sticks around and he uses this opportunity to actually do some some good stuff and then heading into next year he is actually a dual sport athlete and not a uh oh he's a he's the quarterback that we let play play baseball so that he'll stay yeah um he doesn't you know, he doesn't I mean, love his gone dances in front of the dugout he's hitting 286 on the year yeah. i mean that's perfectly fine now of course a lot of that is not against sec pitching and blah 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 and everything but i mean I don't know about you coming into the year. I kind of thought like, okay, well he'll probably play in like three or four games and he will strike out more than he gets on base. Uh, and that hasn't been the case. So I don't know, like a player like him, I guess the problem is that when you look down the order, it's like, Oh, a player like John Rice Pumley and who else, you know, like is Knox Lapos is not Knox Laposer suddenly going to like get it together. Is Calvin Harris like Calvin Harris deserves a chance, I guess, but he's hitting 167. Trey LaFleur is hitting 138. Like at some point, these guys are just not going to be able to do it. And so then, like, you pull out a three, 333 Justin Bench and replace him with a 226 Knox LaPosser somehow, even though they don't play the same position. But anyway, uh, at some point, these injuries start to add up in a way that is losing you that trajectory we were talking about, about hosting a regional, mm-hmm. maybe you don't even have that opportunity now. Yeah. Well, I'll say this. So, you know, the loss of Tim Elko is, is huge. I mean, the guy was the national hitter of the month in March. He had nine home runs. Uh, I believe he was over 500 uh, batting average that month. Um, but look, I mean, losing two of three to Arkansas at home 
it stings, but it's not the end of the world. I mean, this is an Arkansas team that is extremely talented. Um, they're now ranked number one in the country. They're probably going to, uh, you know, at least have a legitimate shot to get to Omaha. Um, but this whole Miss offense without Tim Elko scored 30 runs in that series. Um, you know, obviously the fireworks on Sunday overcoming the 11, nothing deficit, um, ended up losing 18 to 14. But I mean, coming back from that and scoring 30 runs without your best hitter is huge. Um, almost is second in the conference and fourth nationally in runs scored. Um, even I think more staggering of a statistic here with uh, a lineup, you know, now with Tim Elko out, I mean, I think if memory serves, Kevin Graham's the only one in this roster that has SEC, you know, batting experience because Elko obviously has, has been with the team played against SEC pitching. Uh, Kevin Graham's the only one, the rest are oh, guys. You're right. Yeah. I mean, the rest are guys that, um, you know, started on the team last year, but the season was cut short right before the LSU series. So you got a bunch of young guys. I mean, um, but this team is kind of, you know, shocking people. You, you kind of have to dig a little bit and look at the analytics here, but and look at the, the box scores and the stats, but Ole Miss leads the conference and are fourth nationally with 335 hits on the season right now. Um, they've had nine or more hits in eight straight games. Um, that's 107 in that span. So that's almost 13 and a half hits per game. So the hitting is there. And then you know what you got on the mound. Um, Gunnar Hoagland's going to go tonight. Doug Nikhazy's back. He's healthy. He's going to go on Saturday. And then they got a little bit of a shakeup. Derek Diamond is now uh, seemingly headed to the bullpen, which I think is a good move. Um, kind of turn him into that max effort guy that can come in and get you, you know, anywhere from three to six outs. Um, the The velocity is there. I mean, I think he would be somebody that would be a great setup guy for uh, Taylor Broadway coming in for the ninth to uh, to get a save. But Drew McDaniel going to go in the third game. He's 4-0 on the year, 2-9-0 ERA. Um, I, I don't hate this move at all. I mean, Derek was struggling, and, and I don't think it's um, I don't think it's really that big of a step down. So, um, I, I you know, with all that said, I mentioned all the hits and all the run production. This could be a, somewhat of a pitcher's duel weekend. Um, Mississippi State pitches it as good as anybody. Uh, Christian McLeod um, is a fantastic pitcher. Um, 0.62 ERA. Uh, Will Bednar, the uh, game two guy, has a 2.10. And then Jackson Fristo, you know, could be quote unquote the the one you can get with a 4.13 ERA. But they throw it extremely well um, starting the game, and then their bullpen has been solid. Now they did lose Riley Self for the year. Um, with an arm injury. So that's one big guy that's experienced out of their bullpen that they're not going to have. But um, we'll see. I mean, I, you know, maybe I'm speaking it into existence or, or jinxing it in the right way to where it'll be a lot of runs scored this weekend. But I kind of anticipate a, a little bit of an old school battle with uh, pitchers going at it. But hey, it's, it's kind of wild losing Tim Elko and the team is hitting as well as they are. But um, you mentioned losing Justin Bench. If he if he can't give it a go this weekend, they're going to have to do a lot of shifting, and that's a huge bat that they're going to lose. Yeah, I mean, it, I think this this team is surprisingly offensively good. Or I'm sorry, w- would have been surprisingly offensive good if Tim Elko and Justin Bench were you know healthy and and capable there, mm-hmm. because you you know you have people like T.J. McCants and Hayden Dunhurst and Jacob Gonzalez. I think outperforming expectations yeah uh i mean hayden dunhurst like i I know that he was recruited as this 
big time guy and everything. But correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't he mostly seen as like a defense defensive catcher who, you know, could do okay offensively or you know at bat, but not like a major asset there because he has really turned into like a significant hitter. Yeah, and it's it's kind of that kind of that that theme with catchers. You know, it was almost like a you know we're in that same generation that grew up with Mike Piazza being kind of the, you know, him and Pudge Rodriguez were the two, you know, catchers in the majors that were, you know, the best of the best. And when those guys were hitting like 280 or close to 300, I mean, it was like, oh man, this is, this is awesome. Because typically catchers are, you know, they're, they're more known for their defense and managing a pitching staff and being able to, you know, block up balls and and that sort of thing. But yeah, it's kind of a new thing with, with catchers being able to really hit, but, yeah, he he was highly recruited out of high school, but you know, mostly known for his defense and his arm. But yeah, like you said, he's been a pleasant surprise offensively. And you know, if if, if bench can't go, you know, guys like him and McCants, um, you you already talked about Jacob Gonzalez that kind of you know burst on the scene in that first weekend in Texas with a big home run and and made some plays in the field. Those guys are going to have to step up. And look, you already talked about Plumley hitting two eighty. I mean, for a guy that you know has really just kind of been a hype man or, you know, a pinch runner. Um, he's really stepped up and, and starting to push Hayden Leatherwood and Wright to get some more at bats. Yeah. I think that <laughs> we have all been viewing Plumley as a football player who plays baseball. And, uh, you know, at some point it's possible that he plays well enough in baseball to get, to break through that so that it's no longer like the color commentary is always, Oh, you know, he also ran for 6,000 yards against LSU two years ago. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, Oh, he plays piano. Did you know he plays piano? <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. I mean, he is, you know, all jokes aside, he is really bucking that trend of just being the, you know, the, Oh, just the, the token football player that's handsome and, and runs really fast. No, I mean, he's, he's put together some really good at bats and I think he's made a legitimate case for Mike Bianco and them to put him in the lineup. So um, I think this weekend is going to be fun. I think it's going to be a hell of a challenge. Mississippi state is a really good baseball team and uh, they pitch it really well. So for an offense that is now, you know, legitimately one of the top offenses in the conference and in the country, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be huge. Uh, Look, I'll, I'll throw you this, this question here and maybe not a question, maybe a statement, but, I think Kale Baker and Ben Van Cleve this is a big weekend for them. They they really need to you know kind of steal uh, a, a a saying from from our dad Andy Kennedy. You know it's time to justify your existence. Right. So I look. I, I think uh, it's hard to win at Duty Noble. They have a hell of a home field advantage. They're going to be fired up at Super Bulldog weekend. The rivalry, all that aside, talent-wise and just kind of on paper, I think Ole Miss is the better team. Uh, With the offense that we just talked about for the last 15 minutes, I think that they have a legitimate shot to win this series. But it's going to be a battle, and um, especially if rain pushes to a doubleheader on Saturday. Um, Mentally, it's always hard to win back-to-back games in one day. But um, it's going to be fun. Uh, I anticipate, uh, like I said, um, kind of an old school grinded out pitcher's duel. That's another storyline here, kind of turning the page before we close here. Um, Ole Miss is 
got to be able to piece together a bullpen. Uh, they're now one arm down. Max Chofi, uh, we found out this week, he's out for the year with a UCL uh, injury. So, you know, maybe a guy that we saw on Tuesday, Jack Doherty, the freshman out of Carville, Tennessee, uh, struck out five of the six batters he faced against Austin P, which, again, it's Austin P, but uh, looked good. Below was up there. Um, you know, who's going to step up? You know what you got on the back end with Taylor Broadway. Um, it, it's time for guys like Austin Miller and Jackson Kimbrell and Wes Burton to uh, kind of step up and and uh, play that role as the setup to get Ole Miss to the ninth and get them to Broadway. You got anything else, Juco? Yeah, sorry, my uh, my dog barked. Um, yeah, I I think that uh, I, I think there's just a lot of opportunity and guessing. You know, Mississippi State's a really good team, so I I think that it's it's a pretty good chance that they at least take two on the weekend. But mm-hmm. I'm not sure what that says, right? Like coming out of the weekend, if State takes the series but doesn't sweep then what's the takeaway? Is it like, oh, we're trash now? Or is it like, okay, well, super regionals are going to be hard because like that, that would be basically two super regionals in a row. Mm -hmm. And, but like, does that say anything about our chances to get out of a regional? I kind of think not. You know, you, you, you bring up a great point because I do like what, how you reference super regional. Because last last weekend definitely had a super regional type vibe. I mean, it was a postseason vibe in, at, at Swayze Field. Crowd was huge, high level baseball. But yeah, I mean, I think that Ole Miss with starting pitching and their offense can get out of a regional. I think that's. I don't think that that's speaking out of turn or you know being too optimistic or homerish. I mean, I think that they have the tools to win a regional. They have the better you know better starting pitching and they have the offense. Super regional. That's where you you start to get into the territory of your starters not only have to be good, but they got to go deep because you can't really burn a bullpen, you know, winning one game. Now, a Super Regional, obviously, you have to win two. So winning that first one is crucial, but you really have to have that timely hitting and you've got to have those bullpen arms that can come up in big spots. So um, I kind of like that mindset that you mentioned there of kind of treating these SEC weekends like Super Regionals. And look, if they lose two out of three this weekend – the team's not trash. They're playing another team that is more than capable of getting to Omaha. Uh, Mississippi State's a top five team. They're really good. And you'd be sitting at nine and six in the conference um, with uh, some quick math here. Oh, this is the halfway point. So you'd be 15 games in, you're nine and six in a highly competitive baseball conference, arguably the best baseball conference in the country. So with 15 games left, you know, it's it's almost kind of the magic number to get to for being a national seed is is 17, 18 wins in the SEC. And I think if Ole Miss gets to 17 or 18, I mean, you're overachieving, especially with the injuries. Yeah. So, um, yeah, big weekend. Um, I, I think, uh, you know, after the first two weeks when they swept Alabama and Auburn, 6-0, and everybody was kind of like, all right, like best case scenario is you just go 12-12 and the rest of the way. Uh, so right now they're 2-4 and um, after those first two series. So it, it – all is certainly not lost. And, um, you know, this is a brutal stretch. You got Mississippi State this weekend on the road. It's going to be tough. Um, after that, if I'm pulling up the schedule here, give me a brief moment as my computer loads it. Um, you go um, 
so you go to Starkville, then you have LSU at home, Grove Bowl weekend, going to be huge. South Carolina uh, at home, another good program, top 15 uh, baseball program coming into town. You travel to A&M. A&M is down this year. They're not that good. Um, and then you have Vandy at home. After that, you close with Georgia, who took two of three from Vandy, but still not a you know, not exactly a murderer's row finish there. Um, so this is a tough stretch here with State, LSU, and South Carolina all back-to-back-to-back weekends. So this weekend is crucial. Um, I think if you win two, um, you're really sitting in a good spot. But if you lose two of three, it's not the end of the world. I agree. All right. Well, um, that's going to do it for Podcast Rebellion. Thanks to uh, Davis McCord State Farm for uh, sponsoring the studio here, making it possible for uh, for us to hang out with uh, Juco All-American. Thanks to him. And thanks to you, the listener, and the, uh, the rest of our sponsors for making it possible. So uh, with that, we are going to uh, bid you adieu. Enjoy the games this weekend. Um, like I said, weather permitting tonight, 6 p.m. Central on SEC Network. Uh, we'll have some updates on Twitter. Um, we'll have some recaps on the site. But uh, until next time, take care. We out.